0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of Doom to Bloom podcast. Today we have a special guest, Valerie, who is a somatic trauma coach and specializes in intergenerational trauma, sex, love, relationships, and she is also an advocate. Hi, Valerie.
1: Hello, Jacqueline. How are you today?
0: I'm good. How are you?
1: I'm pretty good. Calming down from a bit of a chaotic morning around here. (laughs)
0: Well, welcome to the calm of the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Hopefully it kind of stays that way for you. Yeah. <laughs> Just before we get started on the topics that I mentioned, I always like to ask my guest where they are logging in from.
1: Yeah, so I am in good old
0: Columbus,
1: Ohio, Midwest, which really is not Midwest, but it's Midwest.
0: It's what they call Midwest. Exactly.
1: <laughs> like, it doesn't even look Midwest on the map but
0: whatever <laughs> I mean my sense of direction and geography is really bad so I feel like I would be one of those handful of people where I would say it's probably midwest because yeah. I can't do geography or directions to save my life <laughs> that's okay <laughs> but that's okay. I can admit it so it's okay <laughs>
1: exactly sometimes you just have to admit like I don't know where anything is and that's okay
0: <laughs> I'm just floating by exactly So I touched on a few of the topics that you specialize in as a somatic trauma coach. So I'm going to hand it off to you, Valerie, and listen to the journey, the experiences, the insights that you're about to offer us.
1: Okay. Well, awesome. So it's funny because, you know, like a lot of my work is based in sex, love, and relationship, but I also work with business issues, um, career issues, finances, And that's what the majority of my clients at this point are working on. Either they're building businesses, they're trying to grow their businesses, career shifts, and they're also dealing with relationship things. And something I always say to that is the relationship you have with your business, with your career, with your finances, it's a relationship. So those same issues that tend to show up in our romantic relationships, in our friendships, the patterns tend to mirror. And this has always been very true for me. This is literally how I got into this work. Um, I went to college for psych and women's gender and sexuality studies. So basically I like to research everything and understand why everything is the way it is. And then, um, I experienced growing up with a very narcissistic mother. Um, went through a lot of trauma growing up, went through a lot of trauma as an, a young adult, you know, sexual traumas, the woodworks, and all of the effects started in childhood. Like the blueprint is there, right? So we have this moment in time, in our childhood, in those formative years, where a story gets created and then patterns evolve. And I am no stranger to that myself, just like my clients. And what I noticed as I was finally getting to this breaking point where I had actually been hospitalized for um, an unaliving attempt, and I was forced into therapy. I had tried to get therapist in the past because I went through a really horrible marriage to my daughter's father. Um, We weren't actually married, but like, you know, when you have When you have a home together, shared bank accounts, shared expenses, when you have a child and all of that, and you have to go through the same legal shit to separate, that's a marriage. (laughs) I don't care what anybody says, that's a marriage. Um, But it was a very toxic and abusive relationship, much like the relationship with my mother. And went through a five-year custody battle that um, my mother actually paid him to start. Wow. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah um, as a means to get back at me for making her look bad because one, I had a child and she didn't want me to. And two, I basically laid out to her family what I was really experiencing. And, you know, any narcissist does not like to be made to look bad. So she saw an inn, um, after two years after we separated and five years later, $25,000 of legal debt I tried to get therapy, and what I was running into at first were all these therapists that were like, well, so we want to work on forgiving your mom and getting into a place of understanding, and it immediately defeated me because I felt like, well, where is my validation, or maybe I am wrong, Um, and, you know, at the time, I was hearing also so many spiritual leaders talk about forgiveness, forgiveness, forgiveness. Um, which I tell all of my clients, you don't have to give forgive anybody but yourself for anything. You don't, especially the people that have done harm to you. And it's not about holding on to the harm, it's about just acknowledging and validating you did something fucked up. And you may have good parts to your personality, you may be a good person in some ways, but to me, you did something harmful, and I'm not going to excuse it. Um, so it kind of defeated me for a long time and I just kept going with the same patterns, you know, horrible relationships, forcing myself to be in them to get some type of acceptance and this fear of letting myself be me in front of these partners and even with friendships um, because I was afraid that and somehow I was inherently wrong and bad because of everything I had grown up with. I mean, you know. Your your mom thinks that you're wrong and bad, and you think you're wrong and bad, um, and that carried over into my businesses. I owned a pole and aerial studio for fifteen years, and I had managed one before that. And no matter how successful it was, those wounds were there, which was limiting the amount of success that I was actually allowing myself to have. And yes, there were other traumas on top of it that that just created a big rift there. But when I had finally gotten to this point where I was forced into therapy, I found a somatic therapist and the first session, she completely validated everything that I had experienced and was currently experiencing too. And it was like the first moment of recognizing I could be safe To say, this is me and this is what I've experienced. And it was life changing. And, you know, that was over eight years ago. And in that time of really starting to just validate my own experiences and validate the pain and the harm that I had been through, I recognized that one, the way that I had designed my business um, or let it become was not what I wanted. I didn't want to get married. I didn't want to be in a relationship. I never had. And I had forced myself into those things um, because, you know, society says you're supposed to. But also I was trying to finally be loved. I was trying to finally get somebody to want me and choose me because I didn't feel like that for my mom growing up. And I made all these big decisions. I decided to close my studio And focus solely on coaching because I had gone back. I had done training in IFS work. For those of you that aren't familiar, it is internal family systems work um, where you are working with those inner child parts because that's the work that I was doing. And I realized how effective it was. And I went and did more um, certification and training in sex, love, and relationships to heal my own wounds and that and came to that discovery of I don't want this anymore And I recognize like, I want to help people with this. And I want to do this in a way that feels good because there was a central movement class that I was teaching within my studio for years where I was already kind of doing this and watching the women and AFAB people that came in, they were feeling so good about themselves. They were feeling so confident and it was stripping away so much shame, so much self doubt, so much issues of like, I'm not enough. And I recognize, like, that was the part of it that was always my passion. I had just grown other parts of that business into something I never wanted it to be because everybody else was saying, I want this. And, you know, when you want to be chosen, you'll do whatever anybody else says. So that's what I did. And then as as all of this is unfolding for me, I recognize, well, that's the piece that I want to keep. That's mine. And... I was already starting to offer it online a bit. And then, you know, fast forward a little bit, the pandemic happens.
0: Good old pandemic. (laughs)
1: Good old (laughs) pandemic. (laughs) And I was like, well, shit, we're definitely doing this online now. And, um, And here we are, you know, what, three years later from the start of that. And it's funny, most of my clients aren't even in Ohio or in the U.S. Most of them are in Europe. (laughs) And yet I still do things in person now again. But it's just been really amazing for myself to see how I've helped myself, let myself be seen and let myself have what I want, let myself acknowledge that I'm enough. I I get to choose myself and how much that shift every relationship in my life, including the relationship with my finances, the relationship with my business, friendships, my family, my, um, I mean, my, my romantic relationships when I do choose to have those, what that looks like now, everything is so much different because of that.
0: Can you go into more detail about what, I think the acronym was Mm IFS, what that actually entails, because that sounds very intriguing.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I mean, again, this is like the base of my work. So IFS, like I said, it is internal family systems work. And essentially what that is, like I'm sure a lot of us have heard of shadow work or inner child work. And the concept here is, as I said, for myself, in childhood, there is a moment of time where a belief occurs. And it may be like an instant that is very powerful for you. Or it may just be like, over time, something kept happening. And it created a belief, there was like that one time that locked it in. So um, you know, and it can be as simple as a parent that's hypercritical of you, right? Nothing is ever good enough. Nothing is ever right. Many of my clients have struggled with that their whole life. Nothing is ever good enough. Nothing is ever right. And they keep striving, right? You know, they, whether it was in school, they strive to get all of those A's, strive to re- perform really well for a sport or um, dance, something like that. But they constantly got criticism. They got criticism of their body, their looks. What they did, what they were accomplishing or not accomplishing. And there's a moment where it creates an imprint and it creates a part. That part is an inner child part, or it can be a young adult part as well. And that part keeps holding on to this wound. And it hurts so badly because of that, that it develops another part that protects it. So you think that inner critic voice, right? That voice that tells you, That's not going to work out. You're never going to be successful that they're going to leave you. If you tell them that they're going to leave you, if you're like this, right? We've all had that voice in our head. So we've got this little part that is so hurt and so in so much pain because of what wound was created there, what belief was created out of it, that now there's an offshoot part of that, that becomes the protector, and says, I'm gonna prevent any harm from ever happening again. And I'm gonna do that by any means necessary. And this is this is the really critical part of this work because so many of us, right, we either try to step into that positive t- uh, thinking and it goes into the toxic positivity where it's all about like, oh, just, you know, believe your way into success, believe your way into happiness. And um, any of us that have survived some severe trauma, especially anything childhood-wise, no, that does not work at all.
0: We call bullshit.
1: It Bullshit. Big time. <laughs> <laughs> it is massive bullshit. Um, or we get really judgmental of ourselves. We get so hard on ourselves and we increase the negative talk. We're like, why can't I just be okay? Why can't I just be right? Why can't I just be like that? Right? Like any of you that have been out there where either you have been trying to date and you're looking at other people that have these successful relationships and you're comparing yourself, you're judging yourself or – in business, right? You're seeing people like get all this engagement online and all these likes and things like that. And you're getting so frustrated and thinking there's something wrong with you because you're not as successful. That's the self-talk that is going against that inner critic. And all it's doing is affirming to that inner critic and to that other part, that initial part that it's not safe and you're not going to support it and you're not going to be there for it. So it keeps digging in its heels. And the whole goal of this IFS work is to get to a place of compassion and acceptance and love. You know, all the things that we didn't get when we were growing up or get enough of so that that part never existed. (laughs) Well, it's there now. So now we have to, with that little inner critic, be like, okay, I see what you're trying to protect me from when you keep pushing me um, to date only really emotionally unavailable douchebaggy partners versus somebody that's, <laughs> <laughs> you know, somebody that's nice to us and kind to us. Right. Um, or I'm going to prevent you from letting yourself get visible online and showing up. Um, I'm, I'm just using these two examples, but you can make this apply to anything. Um, I feel like a lot of us also that have a childhood trauma, like a lot of us statistically have issues with emotional eating, I do. So, you know, those moments where it's like, I'm gonna hide you by using food to comfort you. And that's your way of literally camouflaging yourself to the world. Like you're physically doing it, right? And what happens over time for many of us, if this stuff doesn't get resolved and we don't learn to hold compassion and see this as what it really is, is an attempt to protect from harm and a need for reparenting and love and compassion and support to build trust is we also start seeing physical illnesses and injuries happen that manifest in the body i mean i i dealt with cervical cancer i dealt with massive injuries to my body from my career but it also was inflated by just the physical trauma i was holding in my body and so when you're doing this ifs work and you're working with these parts of you showing them the compassion the love the acceptance right? you're also working with the physical body to see where this stuff is is sitting within like you know you ever think of an issue that's going on in your life and it keeps repeating and then all of a sudden as you're talking about it like you feel your th- throat clenching up you feel your gut tighten you feel like this unexplained back pain right the shoulders tensed the neck feels really really tense all of that stuff is there so you can use this model to work within, but also use body-based work of like movement and, you know, yogic practice and breath work and meditation and all these good things to help physically release it all from your body while you're offering this love and compassion that you always needed.
0: Is this kind of connected to... And this is more of a new idea to me, so bear with me. But go ahead. Is it kind of connected to the newer, let's say, studies of how autoimmune disorders are now linking to trauma? You bet your ass it is.
1: <laughs> yep. Um, and it's funny, um, Dr. Richard Swartz, who I've trained under, he is the founder of this model. I of S work is actually an indigenous practice as most somatic practices are. He just kind of fine tuned it into this model that he has used and then has taught other um, therapists, coaches, body based workers to utilize. But yeah, what we have finally acknowledged over the years, and it started with the studies on epigenetics, was You know, everything lives in the body. So now you can see effects on the autoimmune system, effects on physical health that are related to emotional trauma and those wounds. I I literally just witnessed this with my father um, who went through 18 months of cancer treatment. And, you know, we had a lot of really interesting talks about what he was physically holding in his body. And there was a lot of work that we did um together on that and it was like I mean I've used this myself I've used this with clients but that was probably one of the most profound moments of seeing the effect of that in conjunction with the treatment that he was getting of how that helped him release a lot and actually like um a couple weeks ago he had a, a, a ileostomy reversal. Um, for those of you that don't know what that is, it's when you have colon cancer and they reroute the intestine after they remove a section of it to remove cancer. And at the reversal, he got a block immediately and he was in the hospital for multiple days. And I just looked at him and said, I think you need to connect with your six-year-old part because there's this part of him that is held on to this belief since he was six that he's a burden. And he was like, I, I can't do that right now. This is too stressful, you know, because he's got a tube down his nose. They're trying to, for days, release this block and it's not working. And they're getting prepped to put him under again for a surgery. And I said, well, I was like, well, if you feel comfortable, I was like, you don't have to do anything big. I was like, just let him know you're there. Let him know you're with him and you love him. And there was a night six days into him being in the hospital where he finally did that and within 20 minutes the block was released and they came wow. in and, yeah they came in and I did an
0: goosebumps accident. i
1: know um that will forever i mean again i love all of my clients i love doing the work that i do with them but like this is my father <laughs> so this is probably the most impactful i i've ever experienced with this work because like saved my dad's life um but they came in an x-rayed and for sure it was gone and you know like he had to slowly move into like being able to eat again because he wasn't eating for a week they had him on IV and everything but every day I watched him get better and better and better just by finally telling that little boy inside it's okay you're not a burden I love you I'm here
0: Wow. Yeah, And now you, you confirmed for me that this works for autoimmune. Does this work for non autoimmune disorders as well?
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, there's obviously going to be illnesses that are injuries that we experience in life, right? Like if you get into, if somebody hits your car and you get neck pain from that, um, that's a physical injury. However, if you don't address the, the emotional trauma of that impact, it's going to leave a blueprint in the body. So there can be multiple things. I mean, for me, like I, for 20 years was a performing aerialist. I've got, I've had many falls and many injuries and I was experiencing extreme scoliosis in my body. Um, 80% 80% nerve impingement because of my injuries. And while the roots for like those injuries, those falls and things like that that had happened, the real root of that was I was constantly trying to be enough. I was overperforming, overworking to make everybody happy so I would be chosen. Right. That's not autoimmune, but. It was still affecting me long-term. I had horrible sciatica pain, horrible pain in my body. And yes, of course, I was going to PT and healing my body. But in conjunction with that, the part of me that was constantly trying to perform to be enough, I finally started connecting with her and being like, it's okay. You don't have to do this anymore. I love you. Rest. And... It's taken a while. And again, some of this is like, you know, 20 years worth of performance injury and then like almost 40 years of dance injury. So like there's still moments where there's crunchy hips and stuff like that. But I mean, I was at the point where I couldn't walk upright. Um, And I would force myself to do things while like going in the bathroom in the middle of teaching a class multiple times to cry and then pop more um, pain pills because I was just in excruciating pain and I was hiding it all.
0: How does the body know to hold on to all of those feelings? Like, how does that work?
1: Um, This is really interesting because it's kind of instinctive, like, and it comes down to how your body connects itself, (laughs) Like, like that's the best way I can say it. So we have this incredible system that is like a supercomputer within. And we have this beautiful big nerve called the vagus nerve that runs from our brain through our body and connects our, all our major organs to it. And every day, every minute, every second, every millisecond of the day information is being distributed from the brain and these organs. And what's going on normally is about 80% of the information is moving up through the organs into the brain. The brain is processing it and shifting it right back down into the body. So to give you the most basic example of that, let's say there is a gazelle out in the African Sahara Desert, right? It's out there. It's just roaming along. And then it gets a sense. It hears something rustling in the grass. And there's, there's a lion. And, and, and the, the internal gut is going, uh-oh, we should run. And what happened in that split second is the gut tensed, right? The ears perked up. Those organs started alerting. There's tension, sent the message up to the brain and the brain said down, you better fucking run. (laughs) And it took off to escape an attack, right? Our bodies do the same way. We're mammals. So what's going on there though, is when we've experienced hard moments and we don't do a very important thing that that gazelle does after the attack the body starts holding it because it never gets a physical release of the stress hormones that are released in it. And this is the simplest thing in the world. And yet we don't do it. We've actually been shamed out of doing things like this. You ever watch a a video of this whole process, right? With the gazelle hearing the line saying, Oh shit, I'm about to be dinner. Well, let me take (laughs) off. And afterward, if it escapes, it shakes. It shakes. You notice that little shake of its head and its body. It's physically relaxing the body and physically calming down those stress hormones and sending dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin, all that good stuff through the body to say, we're safe now. Think about any time you've been really upset or mad and you feel your body starting to shake a little bit and you've ignored it. Or those moments where you've been really stressed out and you force yourself to stop crying because you're like, I can't cry right now. I'm fr- I'm in a freaking work meeting or whatever. Or those moments where you're really angry and you want to scream and you don't let yourself just have that moment to like go into a bathroom, go into a car, go into a room and just scream your fucking head off. They are biological responses. So this is why this is impacting the body because we're literally ignoring our own biological responses as mammals (laughs) because we've been taught we don't get to feel angry we don't get to cry being too emotional is bad um shaking right all of that stuff is is shameful it's weird puts us on the outside we don't want to be on the outside so we learn to stop doing it and that's what impacts us and yet if we would do those simple things Anytime we're experiencing some type of stress or something else, right? Go for a quick walk, shake it out, dance it out. Um, Give yourself a hug, massage yourself, right? Let yourself cry. Let yourself punch some pillows. That's like one of my favorite things to do. Um, If we would do that on a regular basis, all of this shit would resolve. But most of us didn't get caretakers that taught us to do that. So now we're all struggling and holding on to shit in our bodies and it's impacting our physical health because those stress hormones have just been building up building up building up the cortisol levels are super high and they're staying high and then next thing you know because the body's in stress and it's not calm even if it seems you know calm in that moment but underlying subconsciously there's all these um, hormones that are being built up. There's all this internal stress and the ego mind is freaking out and it's scared and it's just trying to keep you to sur- in survival because nobody's come along and said you're safe. Um, it's impacting our health. It's impacting everything.
0: Do How do I describe them? Do traditional medical teams actually identify with this modality or do they think it's just out there?
1: Okay. Here's my thoughts on this. Um, In Western medicine, many are starting to recognize this, but we still have a long way to go. Most of the practices that we have of dealing with this, like I said, the, like the somatic practices, they are all indigenous so if you look at like chinese medicine how with acupuncture you will see a you know needling being done in specific points of the body where you see channels of stress being held right Um, in hinduism which any yoga the chakra centers they are representative of energetic archetypes in the body so working with them in a physical way helps to shift them And for so many years, that information has been demonized and it's a very supremacist idea in our medical system that, you know, only these methods of like medications, surgeries, things like that are the only fixes. And this is not to say like we should not be using Western medicine at all because, I mean, again, I have gone through cancer treatment. My dad has gone through cancer treatment. Um... We would not be here, either of us, if we did not have those treatments, but it cannot be the only thing because our health is not just being impacted physically, there is the emotional and mental impact of that. And recognizing that and seeing more hospitals recognizing that and more practitioners recognizing that, I think if we keep that going, we're going to see major shifts in our in our overall collective
0: health. I'm kind of surprised that that was your reply because when you said okay, I was like, "Uh oh, this isn't <laughs> this isn't a good uh oh." But I'm I'm glad to hear that it is slowly becoming more. Um, I don't want to say aligned, but more welcomed. Yeah,
1: yeah. And again, it's a slow process. Um, You, of course, have a lot of resistance to that because there's that whole thinking of this is the right answer and everything. And again, there's a lot of supremacist ideology with that. But like even in where I'm at in Columbus, Ohio, um, the James Center at the Ohio State University is a massive hospital for cancer treatment. Well, years ago, my dad had actually proposed to them offering meditation because my dad was teaching meditation at OSU um, as a as a method of treatment for cancer patients. And at the time, they didn't have the budget for it because, you know, when, when big hospitals have their budget meetings, right, that's a specific time of the year and it is what it is, but they've adapted it. A couple of years later, they adapted it. And they've grown with that, with holistic approaches. And I've seen more and more hospitals, um, even within my city, there are a couple of pelvic floor therapists and other practitioners that I work with and partner with um, because they will take care of that physiological issue, that aspect of it, a little bit more where their expertise pulls in. But they have that knowledge that this is not just, you know, a, oh, you have an in a standing injury. This is just affecting you physically. There's probably something more there that needs to be dealt with.
0: So, the reason I'm asking, I guess it's kind of a two parter. Yeah. But the first reason that I was asking is because I was recently diagnosed with Crohn's mm. in, well, actually, we're in October, so almost a year ago now. Okay. And one of my good colleagues and now friends also has Crohn's disease and so we were talking about like essentially for lack of a better word no cure no real treatment that's actually going to make a difference for longer than you know a couple weeks couple months whatever and so I ended up researching about it and there was these studies that started coming up that said you know, if you experienced A, B, or C, that might be likely why you were diagnosed with this. If you experienced, yeah, and I can't even think of what they were now off the top of my head because that was a year ago. But right, that was part of the reason I was asking. Yeah, is like on a personal level, but then also with the work that I do, um, in working with those that are low income and struggle with addiction, mental health, trauma um being homeless or unhoused and then everything that comes with all of those mm-hmm. I can start to see how the trauma will manifest into a lot of my clients' lives. Yep. And I, like my mind is blown. <laughs>
1: <laughs> a lot of people's are <laughs> I did a talk about this uh, locally recently and I'm also planning um, a a day retreat um, with a couple women that are up in Detroit and Ann Arbor area and um, th- we were having a conversation about this as well and th- everybody just kind of sat there and looked at me with like, like that slack jaw for a moment and I was like... I was like, well, either they think what I've said is so outrageous that they're going to, you know, get out the pitchforks, or they're all just like, holy shit, everything makes sense right now. It was the latter.
0: I'm having the holy shit, everything makes sense right now as well. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. Is there any other modalities that you tend to work with on top of the, is it IFS?
1: IFS. Yeah. Oh yeah. And again, this is where I go back. It is, it is circular. It is not just a one and done approach because I, I mean, that is the main modality that I do because I've, I've seen how effective it is for me. I've seen how effective it is for other people, but I use sensual movement. I use, breath work. I use meditation. I use self massage and even recommend getting professional massage because the, you know, physically pressing on those points that are holding tension in the body is super helpful. Um, Oh my God, I'm trying to think of everything they do. I do EFT tapping with clients, um, to help, you know, create new blueprints for the mind. And I mean, I've Real talk. I have been a practicing witch since I was like 16 years old. So I will incorporate a lot of herbal work and just ritual work of creating daily practice to tune in with yourself. And yes, it's all like, you know, with that theme with it. But I mean, the whole purpose of coming back to like those earth practices is coming back to self. So that's the big one. But yeah, like IFS work, and I would say, breath work, meditation, and sensual movement are my biggest, biggest tools that I use because they're so powerful. And I mean, on the sensual movement, and think about how many of us hold feelings of shame and discomfort about our bodies, about our sexuality. So to embrace that and use that as a modality to process emotions and to validate your emotions. Like um, I actually have a local workshop coming up and I'm going to be doing it online as well. um, Where one of the, one of the movement practices we're going to do in it is accessing anger through sensual movement and allowing ourselves to express it in a way that feels pleasurable to our nervous system. So we destigmatize the shame that we feel around it.
0: Um, Can you send me that workshop info? Yes. (laughs) For personal reasons. Asking for a friend. Right. (laughs) Um, The other question I had for you, Valerie. um, EFT. So I've been hearing this more and more over the last, I don't know, maybe six months. Like up until the last little while I haven't really heard of it before. And now all of a sudden I'm hearing it more and more. Is this a new modality or is this just something that's making more traction now?
1: It's making more traction. It's been around for a while. Um, It was actually developed at first to treat anxiety. Um, It works very similarly to EMDR. So like a lot of us are hearing about EMDR suddenly too, which is under the somatic scope. Um where you are hitting meridian points on the body while you're affirming new statements. And it has to be very specific to you for it to work because otherwise like if it's, if it's not hitting that nerve, <laughs> you know, that thing that your ego brain needs to hear to feel safe. Cause a lot of us demonize the ego brain. And yet I'm like, no, this is like a little inner child you that needs to feel safe. But like it needs to really speak to that. So while you're hitting these points on the body, you're coming up with phrasing and a script essentially. And it can be off the cuff or you can have it pre-planned or you can have it guided. Like I will do it guided with my clients. Um, so they can just focus on doing versus like coming up with it and doing. But what so, you're – go ahead.
0: I was just going to say, so is it like a positive affirmation about the body – or yourself um, alongside tapping?
1: Yes, essentially. But we're creating a whole script. So what we're doing at first is we're looking at like, okay, what is the issue? What are the surrounding um, issues from that issue or problems from that issue, right? So it's like, um, to give you an example with a client that I recently used, um, there was this whole issue of feeling like, needing to over-explain herself so she wasn't showing up authentically when she was going to all these networking events because she, from a very young age she learned to over-explain herself to justify her existence to her family um so she's not being authentic which means really hard to network and get a job when people don't feel connected to you and, and she's in a Europe. So, you know, there's a whole different mindset there than in the US on how we network, right? We're not trying to play fake games over there. So we have all these issues around it. So we're we're hitting on all those points and offering first like a statement when you're tapping on those particular statements and issues of, and I deeply love and accept and forgive myself for this and then you go into the reaffirming of the new belief what what is actually true so as you're going through that yes it's it's like a positive statement but it's more it's more than that it is offering that forgiveness which ties in very beautifully with the IFS work offering that acceptance of self and what has been and then creating something newer and affirming Along with some real truth with that. And I always like to co- incorporate something a little bit funny with it. Like I, one of the statements I picked, I was like, and I deeply love and accept that I am a pick me bitch. And I really just want people to pick me And the understand.
0: <laughs> You're going to have fun with it, right? Exactly.
1: And you know, it made her giggle, but I'm like, that's the thing. It brings pleasure into the brain. So that little ego is like, oh, this is safe. Okay we'll we'll do this. We can get on board with this.
0: How often does EFT have to happen to be considered effective, I guess for lack of a better word?
1: It depends. I mean, it it depends on how hard the belief is being held, right? The the old story is being held. Um it can be I've seen it and I've experienced it like one and done where it's like, oh, well that was simple. Great. And I've also experienced it where like, well, we're going to have to do this on a pretty regular basis for a while. It really just depends on how hardwired something is. And I personally have felt like combining that as a practice that complements IFS work and things like that is really effective because then we're really, really getting to the nitty gritty of why it was created. Um, But yeah, it, it really just depends on the person.
0: Interesting. Does it also depend, like you said, how deeply they're holding on to it, but does it also depend on how long they've kind of held on to that belief for? Yeah,
1: I mean, and I think that's that's kind of the, is that causation or or correlation, right? Because obviously if we've held on to something for a long time, there's probably some pretty deeply rooted core wound there and a lot of offshooting wounds with it. Versus, like if we address that little offshooting wound, you know, that little thing that's a that's been created because of that, that usually it's it's a little fresher, it's a little newer, it's not as deep. So we can clear away that and then go in for the deeper things. I always kind of explain it like if you imagine a tree, the um, the longer term health stuff is that, that big trunk, right? That's your core wound. And then off of it has grown all these little branches of little moments, little things that have happened, little things that that have impacted us. So like cutting off those branches, you know, it doesn't take a whole lot of effort. That big trunk though, that's usually going to take a little bit more time.
0: I mean, that makes perfect sense. That's like a beautiful analogy.
1: Thank
0: you. I feel like I could ask you like 500 questions about this topic. <laughs> it's it's like relatively new territory for me in general. Yeah. And then when it, I can connect it back to like my body or myself, I'm like, mm-hmm holy shit like maybe this does make sense maybe this is why this is a thing or this isn't a thing right so yeah well and you know
1: I always tell people too I'm like what do you have to lose from trying it even if it's not your thing even if it doesn't end up being the thing all you're doing is creating that openness to see what's gonna work for you that's
0: it And if it doesn't work, you hop on to the next modality. Exactly. Is there typically a time stamp or length of time for IFS to work?
1: Um, I mean, again, this all is dependent on the person. Most of my clients are pretty aware of their shit. So, like, in my one-on-one package, it's 13 sessions and we usually meet every other week. And what we'll do is, like, really start on the work and then start creating those steps to work through things, doing whatever strategies, like, externally we need to do to keep going back and and keep reaffirming things. And for some people, that is more than enough. Um, For some people, like, I have a couple clients that I've worked with for, like, a year and a half or more. And that is because like, there's a lot there and and it's been unresolved. I will say this though, um, most of my clients and I actually have some clients that are therapists and psychotherapists that work with me as well. But most of my clients, what we have noticed is the years of therapy that they were in for particular issues and just not seeing life getting any better was drastically reduced because again we're doing maybe anywhere from like 13 sessions or even if it is like a year year and a half of work that is very different than like 15 years of therapy
0: very yeah very and I think it's important too that you just said Valerie that you do this work and support the work with fellow therapists and Mm-hmm. and the like right it shows that not just non-professionals yeah. struggle and deal with these things right everybody
1: does I mean I still have my therapist I, I've joked with her I'm like if, if you ever leave I will low key stalk you <laughs> she's just that sounding board for me that I'm you know I've got great friends I've got a great relationship with my dad but she is that sounding board for me and while we're not working on big trauma like actually recently I had a really big moment where she was like yeah I'm de-escalating you from being diagnosed with CPTSD um that was huge huge for me because I don't I don't present any more like that but I need that person in my corner that when I am struggling when those little things pop up I can go in and get the support that I need and we all need that
0: that's why I always practice and preach therapy to everybody (laughs) (laughs) it's almost like I should be um a spokesperson for like therapy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that 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 quintessential spokesperson on all the
1: commercials be like, please just go.
0: Just do it. Yeah. <laughs> Even incorporate some Nike in there, you know? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, Valerie, I usually ask for words of wisdom or words of encouragement or support. Mm. For anybody that is kind of in the depths of their trauma or struggling. And I feel like you gave a lot of wisdom. So I'm wondering what's the first thing that came to your mind when I asked you that?
1: First thing that came to my mind is all of the answers are inside. You already have them.
0: Ooh, you gave me goosebumps. Yeah. (laughs) I think sometimes we just need to sit with that yeah, and kind of see where that takes us and see where we, what journey that takes us on, because then that's the inner work, right? Right. And, you know, so
1: many of us have been taught to mistrust ourselves and and listen to everybody else, and we are a collective, we are a community, but we also need to, to learn that to trust ourselves and that inner wisdom. And especially when we've been through so much, we learned to get so far removed from ourselves in our intuition and coming back to that is a powerful, powerful lesson.
0: Is that the other thing that came to mind when I asked you mm-hmm. or is that just a, an added bonus? I mean, it was probably an added bonus. I just kind of <laughs> say what comes to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was Perfect. And, Valerie, where can listeners and myself continue to follow you, watch your journey, and just gain more insight and wealth of knowledge?
1: Yeah. So, you can find me either on Instagram or TikTok at the Valerie Schrader. I have my own podcast called Reclaiming Me Podcast, where I talk about all of this stuff all the time. And my website is Valerie Schrader. So if you do want to join me, whether you're a local or not, um, it doesn't matter. I work virtually and I work in person. So you can come do witchy, fun, sensual, inner child healing with me.
0: (laughs) That sounds incredible. You sold me. (laughs) (laughs) Fabulous. That's all I want. Perfect. And... I guess I wanted to thank you again, Valerie, for being a guest and sharing your wisdom and your knowledge and your insights and also for sharing part of your trauma story with your mother and what that meant for you yeah. in childhood and growing up. I wanted to really thank you for that because I know it takes usually a lot for us to share those parts right. of us. So I wanted to thank you for that and also just... Thank you for doing the work that you do. It's incredibly needed in our society.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much, Jacqueline. And thank you for having me on. Um, I really, I just hope that this gives people some hope and maybe some guidance about where to go next. So thank you.
0: Absolutely. And I look forward to the feedback that we're going to get on this episode because I have a hunch that there's going to be lots. (laughs) So Stay tuned for back and to you, Valerie, and to the listeners, I'm sending you lots of love and lots of light.